0: Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this episode. So here we are with Melissa Nomes Mullins. Gymnastics coach, MMA fighter, and full time Savage. How are we doing, my friend?
1: I am Dandy, thank you very much.
0: No, I'm Dandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we are. We're tired. Uh, so, with that introduction in itself, what came first, the MMA or the gymnastics? Uh,
1: gymnastics and general coaching in sport. Um, Side off of football and then kind of transpired into gymnastics.
0: How did you find that initially? Have you always been like quite coordinated with that kind of thing? Because I'm like a giraffe on ice. I'm not very coordinated. So gymnastics hasn't been my sort of forte. Um,
1: I'm not a enough. I try my hand at it, but I often fail. Um, rather than succeed in anything I do, um, in regards to gymnastics. But teaching it, uh, I feel like um a puppy to like raw meat. That it. I, I, I'm.
0: What an analogy? I don't know. I lavish.
1: it. my time. Um, but like um, yeah, I, I just lavish in it, and I, I I love seeing my boys, especially my boys progress. Um, but doing it, I'm just a fail. I'm not very good at all.
0: With them um, coaching them, what's the age group group you sort of teach? Is it all ages? Is it a certain demographic?
1: Um, I started off just coaching various ages um, in different sort of programs. So we start um, with like little ones doing very basic fun platforms. Um, and then it kind of went into recreational where It was like bigger classes, basics like handstand, forward rolls, backwards rolls. Um, and then I got into developing my qualifications and... Now I'm a level two artistic coach, um, and I teach um, boys, and they start at three, um, and my oldest are nine, um, and I have a group of gymnasts that are training 10 hours a week, and they're between ages six and now nine. Um, But yeah, my demographic at the moment specifically is boys.
0: So prior to that, did you have any coaching experience, or was it something you sort of just got... I don't know, you just got stuck in with?
1: Uh, not with gymnastics, with football. Um, I went down that typical female route of female footballs, um, then getting into grassroots, coaching football um, for young people. Um, and then I kind of fell out of love with football. Uh, somehow got into dancing, which then transpired into break dancing. Um, And then I stumbled upon gymnastics, because that's where we were practicing. Um, Volunteered a few times, then ended up working for them on a sort of um, pre-led basis, being like sort of coached myself through coaching. Um, And then, yeah, took my qualifications, and I'm where I am today with the aspiration to get more qualifications.
0: Now, what point in this multi-sport journey did MMA come into it because it's quite a transition like okay I like football I like dancing I like break dancing I like gymnastics I want to get in a cage and fight someone <laughs> but what was the bit in between like what was the sort of turning point as such
1: a little bit of a weird story um so break dancing kind of brought me to Coventry through uh, a partner that I'm not keen on talking about um and in Coventry the community of dancing was very small um, so training break dancing, you had to be within that community otherwise you were kind of lonesome and that you can't learn being lonesome um, so I stopped breakdancing as my main sort of go-to sport um, And I had nothing for a while, Um, but I kept walking past this gym because I was living with my friend after this relationship, Um, and she put up with me uh, for many months. Um, And I just kept walking past this gym, like, I'm going to go in it. Oh, look at that. I like it. I'm not sure. And then one day I just went in, um, found out about the free trial, and being bash-bosh, I did a week's trial, went to every single class, and
0: have a look back. Bish bash boss is a good choice of words, I think. Um, when When it came to getting stuck in with that then, how did you find that environment opposed to the ones you were already in? Like obviously you're in like sort of team environments where everyone's, you know, not doing much physical contact, but most of it's done like individually, but then it's, I don't know, it's a different kind of thing on itself. And regards of atmosphere, like, I, it's so funny the girls I've had on before the podcast they always say the sort of sweaty boy smell you get I'm thinking it's so true but I'm used to sweaty boy smell so i take it as red
1: Um, I don't you know what uh, listening to the other females in their MMA journey I, I, I can't relate at all Um, I can sort of feel the similarity of a certain situation which we might get into later but Going into the gym, like um, I don't know if James maybe mentioned it on his podcast. Um, I went in there with such a an excitement and a mentality that I want to be good at this, and I I I automatically felt good at it, good at it. I didn't know if it was because of how natural I felt because of break dancing, but like I went in there and James thought he was getting punked. A reference to the night is I don't know if I anyone. Um, but yeah, James generally thought I was getting, he was getting punked because I went in there and I. The picture I, comes
0: out. <laughs> I couldn't have imagined It's a as well.
1: Like,
0: Is he? Yeah. And I'm John I, Machado. It's a no, fun pack for you. everyone there. Sorry, go on.
1: Uh, it was Andre Winner's class doing wrestling at the time, um, which was my first official class. Um, and James thought he was getting punked because he taught a technique. Went away and nobody partnered up with me because I was new. But that was simply just because I was new, and everyone kind of got their partners. Yeah, and yeah. so then James partnered with me, and I, what I deemed at the time, was completely smashed him. Um, and yeah, I was completely smashing people for a while. I was that like sort of dickhead training partner that nobody wanted to have because I just went ham and hard the whole entire session. Um, completely opposite to me now, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, that, 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 that that's how I found the environment, I just wanted to get stuck in, I just wanted to be the best, I just wanted to learn and sort of lavish in that environment, um, to the point where four years later I'm still doing it. So, um, there's
0: a few things I want to get into that really, the initial going a bit too hard and being overexcited and stuff, did you feel... Not so much chip on your shoulder, more overexcitement of, oh, I'm good at this, I need to go 100% all the time because I'm good at this and make the most of it. And with that in itself, I don't know, how did you find turning it down? Like, what was the point you could sort of, I don't know.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> a story, there was a, a, a student, because we're, we're in a student town, um, and his name was Sam. He isn't with us anymore because he was a student. But the kind of turning right, point, when, the turning point of when I realized that I, I needed to turn it down was I was doing takedowns and every time I would finish a takedown literally the entire class would be like oh <laughs> they would look at me um, and I got to know James and the team a little bit more because it is that environment where you get to know people and it becomes sort of your family and you're with them a lot and they're like Melissa you like you you go hard you need to become a good training partner And I thought I was, I thought given my, 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 my 100% effort and my, my, my strongest ability was me being good at the sport, but then you realise and you, you encompass sort of, you need to be there to improve everyone else as well. You can't just go hard, go, go home and that be done. You need to improve your team. Um, and that was my turning point. Um, as well as realising as well, if you go hard, they go hard, um, if they can. So you kind of need to step back. So there's that middle ground where you can carry on for the rest of this, the, 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 the class.
0: That is definitely a tricky point as well because a lot of people, there's a fine line between being competitive and pushing your partners and trying to grow, but also longevity in it as well. And the thing too, what you highlighted there is really significant for everyone who has fight camps and stuff is it's not just you in there. When it comes to fight camps, yeah, crack on, but after your fight camp, You've sort of got to give back. They've got their fights. You've got to, you know, help out. You've got to be around. You've got to do the Shitty Shark Tank. You've got to be there. You've got to be in the sparring. You've got to help out the same kind of way. It's not just about you and your camp. Um, so when you got stuck in with MMA at the first point, then was it just to be good at MMA in its own right in the gym? Or did you have aspirations to compete straight away? Where did that sort of come from? Um, I
1: don't remember having aspirations to compete straight away. Um, I think it was more kind of, embedded into me through my training so like Jimmy for example, Jimmy Wallhead, um, he was one of the coaches that came down to the Lions gym at the time and he would always give me that mentality like already I was champ, I was going to go far as a female. James would always have belief in me like Melissa you're a strong female, you, you hit harder than most guys. Um, so set my record, I hope so as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think it kind of transpired into wanting to compete. Um, it never was just a fitness thing. It wasn't a thing like, oh, I do MMA, uh, I punch, and I'm a female. It was, I want to be good at it. But I also, I guess, I didn't know that MMA could be a thing that you could take into a career. Um, and the more I did, the more I learned, and the more I wanted it to be my career. Um, so much so, uh, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I'm going to co- uh, possibly compete
0: in, as my profession with debut in October. Ooh, that was in there. Um, one thing I want to say now, might be a bit speaking too soon, but it sounds really refreshing how you haven't had much of a back push on doing MMA as such as a girl. You've, at no point have you said as a female this has become any issue. I've never had much pushback with it. It seems like you're quite welcome without much kind of, you know, oh this that and the other or any sort of special treatment it seems like you went in there <laughs> raised a bit how I told you to calm down and other than that you're all fine like it seems like pretty you know smooth transition because it's not I don't know did you feel much of a stigma as such being in a female MMA fighter did you feel anything in that sense or was it more of just the oh I guess that should have been a thing but it wasn't
1: Really from my gym, I think it's more of a, a personality where I've struggled with what my, with myself um, trying to kind of get in there and get on with it. As I said, when I went into the gym, I I didn't find a training partner. My training partner found me, at the, which was James. Uh, he, he kind of almost had to be my training partner. When I've gone along to other gyms to learn from different coaches, it's always been the coach that had to match me up at the start until I've built that confidence um, and that's kind of the only similarity I feel as a female and I don't know if it is because I'm female or if it is because I'm ill-confident or I'm anxious into a new setting um, but as soon as I'm in and I'm settled I'm absolutely fine and I laugh kindly and respectfully like do you mind rolling with me um, or the coach um, I go to ASW well I did before James um, got a knee injury uh, we used to head up to Manchester ASW and Cam he would uh, pair me up with like intelligent pairs um, whereby I could have good roles and effective roles um, and wrestles and grapples so no I, I don't feel that at all I relate to a typical female scenario where they face
0: um, with this whole podcast, I want to make it very clear, I don't want to try and box you into the female fighter category as such. This is your own journey, your own experience. I don't want to just... I'm just making that quite clear for you and anyone listening as well. This isn't... Okay, This we need a female fighter. You all do. Female fighters. Feel, fit the female fighter mould, please. Or you did you, no, that, last, or did you push back? Fantastic. You're on at seven. It's...
1: Not, <laughs> it's at every person own journey. Every man, every woman, every being has their own journey into every single like life pathway and this was my journey so this is just me clarifying that I as a person and it might be just my personality but I've not felt that adversity against being a female Um so yeah I don't feel that at all that is coming from you just to make that clear
0: Fantastic, are all, all happy and playing nice, fantastic when it comes to your competitions, then yeah, like, when it came to MMA with um, the previous sort of sports you fell into coaching quite naturally it seemed to be your I don't know, go to reference point, what was your preference with MMA? Was it okay, I can get into a coaching role or is it a case of you want to do it for your own right and compete having an, your own go at that? Um, I PT now, um, I do a
1: lot of pad work for mostly females um, and I do fitness and strength within the gym, Um, but I didn't realise that I was also going to get into that. Um, I would like to do more coaching in Jiu Jitsu, however, again, it's a confidence issue, it's a knowledge issue, I I want to be able to gain knowledge and um, experience before I step into that sort of role. Um, But for now, it is just competing, it is just a selfish sort of pathway to, see how far I can go and then I feel that I would want to sort of see where I can inspire, pass on my knowledge, if anyone wants to learn from me, if I'm one of the great so said. Um, and then yeah, it's kind of like just a pathway to see where see where I get to.
0: That's always an interesting conversation when it comes to at what point can someone coach. And it's such a spurious thing in itself like what point will you say you're confident you can coach again? Like, oh, do you have to be this world champion black belt? Do you have to just have a couple of weeks of jujitsu? And what's the bit in between? Like, what's the line you've got to draw? That okay, if I know the details to this technique and I explain it to someone who doesn't know the technique, is that right or wrong? Is that a faux pas? Because it's not being funny. You get people who learn from black belts who give too much detail, you can't absorb it. Then you get blue belt yeah. coaches who give enough detail you can actually understand it and, you know, have a reference point, so... It's all up in the air again. I mean, your experience itself, I'd say you're more than qualified to coach, but, you know, that's just my bias because, you know,
1: well, I I'll train with
0: you and you've beaten up some of my friends, that's so fine.
1: <laughs> uh, I, just, I just think if, you, if you're willing to learn, then your pathway into coaching, for example, will come naturally anyway um, if you want to coach. So the more I learn, the more I feel confident and the more for me I'll maybe step into that pathway.
0: So when it came to your, like, training and competing then, how involved was James at the start? Like, were you two together when you started MMA then, or did you meet through training?
1: Um, We went for a friendly coffee date um, at one point within a couple of months of me attending the gym, um, and it was nothing more than a friendly coffee date. Um... And I guess just getting through talking kind of transpired into the relationships that we have to the point of where we're getting married next year. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, but he kind of, yeah, he's been my sort of solid base of the trajectory of where and when I'm going to compete. He's very certain as a coach that no, compet- no competitor will compete unless they train under him for two years or under the academy for two years um, under various sort of disciplines and, um, structural situations, um, and yeah, true to say, um, I didn't compete for two years, um, but I was ready to compete sooner, um, but I unfortunately got a major injury, um, where I snapped my M T L and my ACL within, yeah, uh, and that was within three months of training, um. What happened? I was, I think, as long if it was wrestling, it was no so it was either wrestling or grappling. Um, and unfortunately, myself was new, and the guy I was rolling with was new, and I was, if you imagine, turtle position, mm-hmm. but my leg was based out, um, and he come over with sort of a knee slide with my leg based out, um, and just kind of collapsed my knee the wrong way, um... I sort of over hyper extended my knee um, towards my MTL ligament. Um, and wait, I'm
0: confused. Two. So, wait, wait a minute. So, you're his knee slicing, but you're in turtle? I'm confused. No, that was,
1: that was, because you can see me, I, I try to explain it and then you try and elaborate. So, oh, okay. And um, my right leg is based out. He's oh,
0: on my okay, back. okay. So, turtle position, and almost like a sit through kind of thing. So, your one leg is based out, one like knee on belly kind of position, yeah. So you're at the bottom like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and
1: then his knee, and I can't remember if it was left or right, kind of slices
0: through this direction. What are he doing there? Okay, so, so imagine would, like like a turtle position, but one leg is based out, and then someone tries to knee slice the wrong fucking way from behind, and then collapses in the knee. Oh, that's horrible! What a weird position yeah. in the first place, and then what? Ugh, oh, so, all of that's so uncomfortable. Just think about that position in itself. I don't know what he was trying to achieve, but. Either way, yeah so yeah. how long were you out for
1: um so here and there the knee was like stable, unstable the doctors wanted to try and repair it without any sort of interventions just kind of seeing if the ligament would fix and then sometimes so i did it in march james was it march or may when i did my knee well, did. yeah february february, <laughs> february. Um, and then I didn't get my MRI until August, and then I went. MRI, May. MRI in May. Okay, yeah, so I got an MRI in May. God, you know my timeline better than me. Um, I got my MRI in May, and then I had a surgery in August, um, and that was four week construction, hamstring graft um, to get the ligaments replaced um, in August, and then I was out until July, where I started to sort of do a progress stage back into the journey of mma
0: so through that time of recovery and getting back into it obviously it's the early days into your mma career that's not even probably started at that point how did you feel in your head regards of everything else did you think oh shit this is the end did you think okay this is just a hurdle did you think okay maybe back to something else how did you feel with everything going on
1: um, well, I was in the gym still, most sessions, because I wasn't at work, I was, um in a, at the time, I wasn't a math coach uh, full-time, I was working for a sports foundation as a senior sports coach, so they laid me off work, full pay, like, completely happy, so I, I just went along to the classes, um, and I was actually having this discussion with James before, knowing I was coming on here, about, like, what I would be discussing, and he, he said that one of my things that might come about is the fact that despite having a big injury and not having kind of a love for MMA, nor a knowledge of MMA, nor knowing my pathway of where it would be today, I still kind of adhered and stuck to it, despite knowing the, the, the risk and having such a serious injury that could happen again or it could re-break, as the doctor said. Um, and yeah, I was more determined than ever to come back. So. NHS physios, although the guy that I had was <laughs> uh, the guy that I had was great. They have to follow a book, so their, their 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 process is very slow and tedious, and it wasn't helpful to get back into what I needed to do. So um, there was a gentleman called Paul Grenell, who's based in Coventry, <laughs> and he runs a physiotherapy company of his own, um, and he actually was the one who helped me set goals and gave me more sort of limitless exercises to help me recover, whereby I was up on my knee and doing things that the doctor didn't expect to happen um, when they were happening. Um, so, yeah, I guess that, 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 that's pretty much it. I was ready. I wanted to go back. I didn't care about the injury, and I got back.
0: I mean, that, that's a very interesting point, that kind of... You're not that passionate about it in the sense of it's not like, you know, you want to bleed and sweat for this. This is something you've always dreamed of. Okay, I like doing this. This is fun. Oh, shit, my knee's gone. Oh, well, I'm coming back. <laughs> no sort of adherence to that. Like, okay, that could have been really, really bad. I could be me not walking anymore. Oh, well. <laughs> He's kind of shrug it off. But no, I guess you kind of need that kind of nonchalance with it sometimes. Of, okay, there's risk in everything you do. You sort of need to get on with it. But it's good that you've had that consistency with it and that kind of discipline as well because i guess without that same kind of motivation you could almost lack that discipline to rehab properly and also you know get back properly and stay interested and stay focused on the development side of it so regards of competing with that then was there much working around it or was it you just ca- cracked on as normal then what was your process with that
1: Now I don't really feel my knee unless, for example, I'm walking the dog and it's a weird weird, weird way of explaining this. If a stick gets caught in the floor and at the same time my foot catches it and then my foot kind of goes away from my body, that's the only time I really feel the knee. Um, But prior to that, it was very small tweaks and twerks that would kind of jerk the knee into... This motion. Sorry, um, you
0: like outwards,
1: yeah, jerks. Yeah, like, I can hook Yeah, unless it was like, it, if, if it was anything that was very similar to that motion, it would hurt, and it was a very slow process getting back into that. I wouldn't spar and so on. Um, and then I went to gee seminar with Aria. I don't know if you know who he is. Um. James, what's Aria's second name? Aria.
0: He was on on Instagram, probably. Everyone's called BJJ, I think, on Instagram. (laughs) I think I think I follow him. Yeah, Yeah, I think I know who he is. Yeah.
1: Um, But I had a seminar with him, and um, he gave me some advice. And then, do you know what it was? That was actually the turning point. So as I said, I go to a few gyms, and I know Tom Breeze had a bad knee at the time and I just went over to him and I asked him I said what what made you like just kind of do it and he said you've just got to do it you've just got to get over it and kind of deal with that that, that, that feeling or that fear and then you'll know to that point if you're ready or not. Um, Well that's what it made me kind of sort of perceive what he said which was just do it. Um, So I just did it and
0: yeah, been fine. It is an interesting concept when it comes to the injury versus the perception of the injury that yes you'll be out for this amount of time, yes you can't do this, that and the other, but also living in fear of that injury of oh no I can't do this because of that and you overcompensate overcompensating and do bits and bobs with this and then at what point is it actually healed, at what point are you just letting it, you know, I don't know, like a self-fulfilling prophecy of I oh, know my knee's bad but it might not be that bad. It might just be you think it's worse than it is, and you can't do this, that, and the other, and being too scared to do stuff, and taking. I you know no, I can't spar as red for like forever. Obviously, anyone listening, if you're injured, don't listen to this as medical advice. This is just an experience and a one-off chance exception. Injuries are not covered by Fist Cuffs podcast, so you know have fun with it. Little disclaimer
1: there. <laughs> My
0: I've given a lot of disclaimers for weight cuts as well. I'm making sure I don't get any kind of backlash uh, of people's crazy weight cuts and their bits and bobs. On that note of weight cutting, did you cut much when it came to your fights and stuff?
1: Uh, I max, no. Um, 61 kilos. I don't know what you would clearly class as a high weight cut, but I kind of walk around at around 72 kilos, um, to, stop, to fight at 61.2 kilos, depending on the the, the situation. Um... So, I actually write down my weight cut, so if you bear with me for a second, I will do some tapping on
0: my phone. Well, this is the thing with weight cuts as well, and I'm going to go on a sort of tangent while you're getting information up, because it's easier for me to waffle for a little bit. And when it comes to weight cutting as well, the one with um, Molly Lindsay was quite an interesting one when it comes to the female side of weight cutting, because obviously there's sort of hormones and obviously being in relationships and that kind of side of the rest of it, because one thing with guys cutting, they haven't got to worry about, you know, being pregnant in the future and that kind of hormonal stuff and bits and bobs whereas girls are considerably more complicated than that and i'm not even going to pretend i know the intricacies of yeah. that kind of stuff but <laughs> i might even have a have a go at that but yeah this is where it gets interesting when you hear the, the amount like female athletes are prepared to cut versus i don't know guys and also i don't know the timings or everything else because obviously certain other things happen in a in a woman's month, that you know affect certain things, and um, again, I'm not educated on these things, and my bro science won't cover this, and I'll leave it to the nutritionists and the experienced athletes. But it's certainly a, a factor to take into account, and God, I can imagine that kind of stress as well amongst everything else going on.
1: Ironically, um, I don't think it's bro science though when it comes down to females and their hormones and their monthly cycle. Um Like, what research is there to be honest on weight cuts that is proven and Yeah, it gets really
0: spurious as well because it's like case by case kind of thing. Because say if I cut out carbs and I lose weight, no problem. Whereas you cut out carbs and then you react in a certain way and then you start bloating or whatever else I don't know. Then that's not a universal standard. Then that's a case by case thing. And again, it's mm. yeah. So
1: I've got my little thing here. Um, my little so to speak. Three weeks, four weeks, whatever. How many weeks this is out? I think it's six weeks out. Um, And on this specific, no, it's not four weeks out. So on this specific cut, I started at 68.3 as my first sort of entry into my phone. Um, And I finished waking up for the day before weigh-in at 62.1. That's three weeks. So, yeah, kind of I stay the same for the first week. I actually go up in weight to 68.8. And then two weeks out, I start dropping weight to 67 was my kind of two weeks out weight. No, week out weight. No, two weeks out weight. Sorry, 67. Um, And then I don't have any cheats at all from that point. um, And I start cutting down. I get down to 64 week before. um, And then 62.7 day of weigh-ins. And then I'll cut the rest in the sauna because I'm not very good in the back. My stomach starts to um what's it called?
0: Undulate <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, oscillate up and down movement, I don't know. Unsettle, I don't know. It
1: it oh expands. God. No, it doesn't expand it like um You shit yourself? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it compulses. It it it, it like it's like, I guess, I like having a contraction almost without having a baby. It like goes really, really tight and compuls- compulsive? Contra- I don't know. What that means. It's like contractions, but it goes, it rolls. It's really weird. Um, convulsive. I don't know if that might be the word. We we'll
0: use, we'll use a lot of words, and eventually one of them will be the right one. <laughs>
1: it, whatever word you can put to what I'm explaining is the word that it is Um but yeah I can't sit in a hot bath so I have to sauna. And normally it's two kilos, but my last one was quite easy and it was only one point five kilos in the sauna. Well that's
0: um, quite a sensible process. Who's worked out for you? Is this something you've done yourself independently? Is this you've gone to a nutritionist to help you with that James? Big man. Yeah. You're on audio <laughs> only so remember when you point people can't hear that. <laughs>
1: Uh, that, that, that was my thing to um, you okay. but yeah James James is my, my <laughs> James is my bro science um, James is the
0: he's got science.
1: he's got like sort of autistic traits almost when it comes
0: to <laughs> 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 they called it puppy love
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he will do as much in depth as he can to kind of getting into the process of knowing something if it be a technique if it be weight cutting if it be breaking down someone's like win by knockout like how they got to that sort of um achievement but um down here.
0: Again, another disclaimer for anyone looking to cut weight for mma or any kind of contest we advise to take nutritional help. Why don't you use my nutritionist, Dean Coke Nutrition, available on Instagram and all platforms. And whilst Melissa is running around <coughs> looking for something, um, let's shout out to our sponsors. Baller <coughs> MMA, use code FCMMA20 at checkout for 20% off on all mortar products. Um, and also while Melissa is doing this, be sure to follow us on all platforms and leave five-star reviews. And you've got Sigma Weight Cutting System. Is Sigma, James is specifically or Sigma a Sigma...
1: Um, he uses all different ones. He uses that... that, that um,
0: Cause he had a similar Mike Dolce thing he was talking about, but it was like his own version of it.
1: Exactly. So he he bought that book, Stigma, Weight Cutting. Um, he's very well aware of the Mike Dolce sort of process. Um, and then obviously he's watched a lot of like documentaries. So I don't know if you see the Dean Garnett documentary yeah, yeah. about weight cutting... Um, he, he's just very researched and knowledge, he, he's got a lot of knowledge from just various sources so one thing that he brought into the last weight cut was actually um, water that you boil to the point of, James, what's the water thing we use? Distilled. Distilled water, yeah. A distiller. A distiller. So we've got a water distiller um, just for weight cutting. Comes out at no other point in our life just for weight cutting. Um, he worked out the salts and the grams of salts and the litres of water that you're allowed to take prior to your fridge
0: is it all just weight cutting food (laughs) like scales (laughs) and like salts and like you know hydration stuff like (laughs) camp specific kind of fridge and stuff
1: he's got a lot of like sort of rehydration sort of stuff in the cupboards um that we use and up on our cupboard up there behind me on my wardrobe he's got a lot of like um the various substances that you put in the bath or um <laughs> to rehydrate there's like this weird mixture he's been making that's like cream
0: <laughs> it's like which
1: potion
0: yeah
1: it's just like salts and um sodiums and it, some have been a complete fail like there was this one that he made and i just had dirt. For like the, the next 24 hours, and it was disgusting, and I hated it, and I felt nasty, um, and that was a complete fail of a rehydration. Um, but then there was another time where he just made me eat really sugary foods and really salty pastas, and that was absolutely fine. Um, but I struggled to eat a lot of food as well um, to rehydrate. So it's kind of we're still we're still finding my process, but he's got his one down to a T. Like he can cut nine kilos in literally uh two days in like the day before and the day of weighing and he'll go out and he looks absolutely bananas like his warm-up looks amazing but then you've got me and I'm just sitting there in my warm-up because that's me and I just like to look like I'm meditating I'm not meditating but I look like I'm meditating um but (laughs) but uh yeah that's that's, that my weight cut is just my weight cut it's what James has kind of personalised for me as what you said at the start everyone's got their own sort of things that work for them you drop carbs, that works for you
0: Um, on that sort of subject of weight cutting one more time we do not condone weight cutting this is something that is a personal decision for people to make, we are not liable I don't know if we can be sued but you know there's a couple of bases anyway and when it comes to IMAF, then, obviously the weigh-in situation is a lot different. For anyone who isn't familiar with the IMAF, it's day of weigh-in each day for the fights. So what was your plan with that, regardless of your training for it in the first place, and also ideas when it comes to weight cutting and maintenance? Uh,
1: you can't train for the IMAF. you can only do what you do good at in the IMF. Um, it's like going into a Jiu-Jitsu competition, you draw who you draw. Um, you you get your opponent the night before on a really randomised draw that they release and if there's anything to look at you might have a brief look at them, James tried to do that on a few of the girls, for example I had a Greek opponent who had a beautiful jab cross and he just gave me some advice based on that but you can't train for it Um, I went into the on weight even before I got there, I was fighting at featherweight so that's 65 kilos on the dot. Um, and I was actually underweight for every weigh-in that I stepped in, so um, I didn't do any weight cutting water-wise. I just went in there fully hydrated, um, weighing in my pants and my bra because I didn't want to be like, naked. Um, I didn't eat um, until after my fight. Um, my eating was very regimental. Um, I would eat the same thing every day just because I knew that worked, um, which was rice, fish. And a few vegetables, and in Rome, honestly, that was like the most impossible thing to even do. (laughs) Um, Not rice, actual rice. I took with me Uncle Ben's packet rice with me, Um, and I got the kitchen. I made friends with the guy in the kitchen, and I got him to microwave it for me. But but yeah, my. I did four fights in four days and I weighed in every single one of them on weight, underweight um, and yeah
0: uh, that that was my process for IMF So in regards to the IMF itself I touched on this briefly with Lexi but again it seemed like you girls would have the same kind of like camaraderie like almost you seem to all bond like quite nicely together like again it, being a competitive environment you still seem to you know, you're not fighting each other but you seem to, I don't know build quite a relationship with those guys. Did you find training quite efficient with each other or did you just sort of play around to sort of keep each other motivated? How did you structure that kind of stuff when you are out there? So, um, as you
1: said, there was quite a lot of... Com- 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 how do you say it? Comradery. <laughs> friendship. There was a lot of friendship out there. Um, there actually was girls who would fight against each other but in the smaller weight classes. Um, so Megan and Lexi actually would have thought of each other if they would, both would have got to the final. Um, and Liv Taylor and Shannon Troop from Scotland would have fought each other um, if they would have got to the final. But um, uh, again, it's down to the luck of the draw. Um, but training-wise, we didn't actually physically really train with each other. It was kind of Joanne Doyle and James Doyle and then Mark um, ben, Spencer um, who would yeah they kind of naturally off one by one. Sorry, dog barking. There's a dog barking. Um, <laughs> um, And they would kind of cater to us, kind of ask us what we normally do and so on. And they were more so my go-to for training um, because they're the people that I built the strongest relationships with, whereas others kind of had each other to train with or they would train with the coaches in their own way. But friendships were formed and it was a good morale and it was good bonding and good support for all of the team, not just the males or females. We were there for everyone.
0: So when it came to coming up short in the finals, how did you feel at that point? Did you feel like you were just a bit knackered by that, a bit burnt out and it was sort of, you know, the last hurdle? Did you feel disheartened? How did you feel when it happened?
1: Uh, I was it. I lost on a split decision. Um, against. She was a good opponent. Jasmine Favero from Italy. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Home Advantage. Nice. I, I do believe in Home Advantage. I have done since I was young in football, for example. Um, like, she didn't have to travel. She didn't have to have knowledge of what she could eat. She already knew what she could eat because she was in her country. Um it, I could bring up a million excuses, and I've said this in all of my fights that I've lost in, but at the end of the day, I can't change the decision of what's happened, and I can only go forward and hope that whatever I perceive to be the wrong thing that I did within that fight, I will learn on, develop, and when it comes to my professional debut and my fight within my professional career, they won't be there. Those mistakes will be concreted over. There,
0: um, regards of your mistakes and dealing with all those kind of things, how are you in regards of, I don't know, dealing with them and accepting them, moving on from them? Do you take them quite, like does James sit down and tell you, okay, sort this, this, and that out, or is he like, don't tell me anything, I'll work out myself? <laughs> they sort of what, the tantrum, how do you deal with it? James is a c u n t. I won't say that word because not many people like it. Um, he, yeah,
1: he is he's emotionless. He will not give me any sympathy. He will say, "What, what, what, what? That you're doing now is going to help you, like get over it, move on." Um, so that's my external sort of situation. He's he's loving, don't get me wrong, but like in regards to sympathy, it's not there. Like you need to just get on with it. You've made a mistake. Deal with your mistake. Um, in regards to myself, I'm only sort of gluttonous or uh, uh, upset if the other person makes it sort of personal um, and if I truly think that I deserve the win, if I know that I didn't deserve the win, then I accept it, I have respect. However, if I know that I didn't lose, but then the person kind of emphasizes that loss, I will feel annoyed and I, I will feel sort of, I don't know, the, the, again, another word, I, I, like I don't want, I,
0: personally
1: kind of thing. I can do, yeah, um, and that that might be just me being a female, um, because I don't know if men, James is kind of like a guy that would just, or will either deal with the situation by fighting, or the situation is dealt with, and it deals deal with it another time by fighting, um, whereas, I guess, as a female, we can hold on to it quite a lot. Um, you say, oh, yeah, that,
0: uh, after I lost my fight, I cried like a baby and I was miserable for weeks. But it might just be me being a female as well, but who knows?
1: Or an emotional guy, I will therefore add in. Um, yeah, I, I took my Rome loss so well, I took my Bahrain loss to the IMAF badly, not for the aftermath, but at, in the cage at the present moment, I didn't look like a um great gracious athlete. Um I was very annoyed. Um I tried to get Mark Goddard to look at the footage at the time. I broke my hand in that fight, um and I took all three rounds. I nearly knocked her out in round one. She literally got saved by the bell. Um and the fight was mine. Um but I lost. So <laughs> yeah. At the time I took it very, very badly. What but I okay. of the
0: moment and the emotions involved and everything else because it is a very emotional very honest thing of fight it's not just a, a match as such it's a, a representation of all your graft you put in all the emotions of the stress and the anxieties and everything else like it's not, I think that's why these emotions come from because in hindsight watching it back is one thing but when you're in there when everything, all your cards are on the table, you're exposed you're very like vulnerable, very naked you're very there, so everything you put in on this line to then to be taken away from you unjustly like it's just not fair and that's where you get these kind of emotions from and you finish you change subject too quickly i would say when in rome you kind of accept these things which is a bit of a shame because you took that pun away from me which i'm quite upset about but we'll get yeah. there. We'll, we'll come back to that at some point but <laughs> i'll make sure we purposely divert back to that so i can make that joke again but i've got my notes that's fine um <laughs> regards of um i asked James this question i want to hear your answer for this how do you guys find a balance with both being competitive fighters and also being in a relationship? Like how do you find switching off and finding that balance? So I'm curious as to your answer versus James's answer. We
1: don't. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I'm always hitting him. Um, my, my boxing coach will always laugh and crack up because literally every opportunity there is, I'll try and body shot him. I'll tease him. I'll leg kick him. Um, at the gym, we are very professional. Like there isn't, well, I'm not a, a lovey dovey person anyway. Like I don't give kisses in public and so on. But um, we are very professional at the gym to the point of not many people, especially if they're new, realise that we're in a relationship. Um, as a coach, uh, he did emphasise this on his um podcast with you, um I will sometimes tell him like right straight, no, I don't want to do it. Um however, which he didn't mention, during this COVID nineteen situation, he is the only person I've had to be able to progress my um sort of hands and I haven't argued with him or told him no once um during this process. But at the gym I will get angry with him. He will get angry with me, and kind of the session might just sort of sizzle out, and I'll go and sit off in a grump. <laughs> um, but many, many females that I know that have a partner in training will say the same thing: like they they they, they can't deal with them telling them what to do. Um, but yeah, it, it, it it's hard, but I'm getting better
0: now that was a much more honest answer he gave me a very safe answer of you know we're finding a balance it's a tricky one but we're finding a balance. that kind of thing very safe very like oh i like that but this is a bit more of a that's behind the scenes and stuff because this is the beauty of this honesty is that on face value you hear we can separate it no problem we're at home we're fiance and fiance I don't know what the male and female of that is but boyfriend and girlfriend for argument's sake and with the gym we're coach and student or vice versa that kind of concept of we can split this but can you really though can you really know of' like if I'm with someone I've I remember having girlfriend ages ago and we remember trying to hold pads for her she was like, I was like trying to say oh no keep your hands up make sure you this said no I just want to hit I think all right okay this is going to be a long Long session. <laughs> and I'm thinking God. With a lot more emotions involved and in the rest of it, me, it's gonna be exhausting. Yeah. Oh, well,
1: there was a situation a few weeks ago and I was like uh, he he was teaching me a combination, he said and I said to him, I was like, James, this isn't my style. I don't fight like this. He was like, Are you a complete fighter? And I was like, No, he's like, So how he was like, So how do you know your style? Um and I do I, I, I but <laughs> but it's true. He 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 needs the he he's not the complete fighter, as say. But he's still learning. But he's more of a complete fighter than myself. So it is learning to respect your coach and the people that are looking out for you. And I am learning to do that. Um, if when we go back to the gym, I I hope it's the same. But I can't guarantee it.
0: And this is a huge part of it as well, in the sense of. You're not just learning the techniques as such, you're learning how to work with someone in that sense, like, yes you can learn to be their partner, but then it's learning to be their student, learning how they try to explain things that, where their frustration comes from, where the way they try to explain things, like, I get frustrated with people a lot, but it's not because I don't like them, it's because I want them to absorb the information, if I don't feel they're getting it, it's just frustrating, it doesn't mean they're, you know, a bad person, might be stupid, but that's their own fault, but... (laughs) it's more a case of like you know the heart's in the right place, it's just trying to get the same frequency and understand where they're coming from with things, and this is you know it's a learning curve, the same with everything um, regards of your priorities with the world and your your current bits and bobs. when it comes to post lockdown what are you more looking forward to getting back to, is it getting in the gym or coaching, like what is your priority as such, because as much as you know, you've got your passions for certain things when it comes to being a fighter, often it's quite selfish like how do you find prioritising yourself when it comes to this
1: yeah, so my boss Sophie is a good friend of mine as well, Um, she's fully aware of my situation in fighting and she's always been very lenient with work when it comes to having weeks off for, i.e. wake up week Um, so she's aware that There is a possibility that my hours will need to be more lenient and they will need to change when it comes to my professional career um i've already discussed with her the the lessening of coaching um, at gymnastics um just because simply PTing gets me more money um therefore i can coach and work less time for more money um so the priority will be to train more to travel a little bit more to get more specialist coaching in so uh, for example we don't have a wrestling coach at Gym at the moment so um i hope to get back wrestling asap um and as i said my professional debut is said to potentially be in september um my management are currently sorting that out um if not i will do one more amateur fight but yeah my, my, my priorities are my mma career um but with the understanding that I still need to do something to take my mind away from that on the occasion, which will be my gymnastics coaching.
0: Well, that's certainly an important way of not only, like, assessing it, but also seeing the whole situation and viewing it, that you need these kind of releases. You can't be 100% all the time because you just burn out and, like... This is what I am saying about when I'm speaking to James about this: this conversation of, oh, do you always watch fights together or something? No, sometimes just fucking switch, just put, put something else on. Just like, you know, you need some way of switching off of MMA because when you put everything in this, it's so exhausting. There's a dog on the screen. Hi, dog. <coughs> Big year. Fantastic. Um, oh yeah so when it comes to assessing situations and you get people who need different things some people want to train full time and they think about training some people still work as well and try and have that time to switch off and again it's horses for courses It's each person needs their own thing it's good that you're easing into that kind of you're finding a, a healthy balance with it because it's all well and good having coaching as a passion but if you're doing that more than MMA there's a good chance MMA is going to not do as well as you'd like it to if you're not putting the hours in but no it's good that you've got that kind of awareness of it all
1: it's just another thing James has as well like I would love to be able to go and do another sport but there isn't time for it you can't have a focus to achieve one thing but then want to do another thing so yeah just blending it as much as you can and then phasing it out and phasing it in when and if you can
0: 100% so regards of um there's a few things I want to go on with this. When it comes to finding female opponents, obviously the numbers are pretty few and far between. You seem to end up finding there's only a certain amount of active fighters in the UK, and they seem to all fight each other and the rest of it. Like we came up to be a for sparring a while ago, and you come over a couple of times. How did you find coming in a different environment like that? Obviously it's not down the road as such, but like how did you find training over around with us? Did you find the I don't know. Quite intimidating coming to a new place altogether. Or was it something you were looking forward to, as such?
1: Um, I got to know Magdalena. She's like That's the right, female. Yeah, <laughs> she's like a female of BFC um, and Haley, obviously. Like they're the kind of the active girls or was active girls um, within your gym. Um, so I got and kind of I met Haley through jujitsu competitions. Anyway. So I knew her, and then I knew Magda through social media, and then got to know her by just coming over to say hi, getting to know the gym a little bit. Um, So I kind of assured myself beforehand I didn't just come to the ST and be like, yeah, I'm going to train here. I I, I wanted to know it was the right environment. Um, And like Sam Creasy, he comes over for sparring because he knows that there's good bodies there. Um, And that's what I'm all about. I'll fight anyone and whoever and whatever at my amateur career so I can learn, as will I go to different gyms to learn from different bodies because otherwise you'll just settle to the same bodies that you have at your gym which might be a body that you're not going to come across in your MMA career. Um, so the BST environment was enjoyable, it's a beautiful gym so it's a very motivational place to be in. Um, and. I got on with the people that I interacted
0: when I was there, um, so I enjoyed it. Well, that's really refreshing to hear as well, because when it comes to such a competitive sport, and also there's quite a lot of animosity in MMA as well, Like whereas with Jiu Jitsu it's a lot more like, oh everyone's friends, we all play, we all play nice, unless it's Gracie Barra for some reason there's a cult, but it's fine, you know, shout out Baja. Um <laughs> Yep, I know you're Gratibaha, that's why I said it, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you get those kind of um, jiu-jitsu mentality of, yeah, everyone's welcome everywhere, everyone has fun and we all roll and we have fun, but MMA is a bit more like, okay, it's a fight, it's not a match, it's a bit more tension, but it's good to hear that coming over to spa and coming into an environment, it was a, a healthy balance, it's because when you're in the environment, you don't really notice it, you just kind of get on with it, but it's good to, for an external person to sort of say that, it's good to hear. Um, before I let you go and tend to your big yawning dog, um, where can people find you?
1: Um, I'm pretty much only on Instagram. I'm not much of a social media whore. Um, so no underscore mess underscore mullins on Instagram. Um, Facebook, if you really want to find me on Facebook, Melissa Mullins. Um, or my number, which I won't give. Um... Yeah, I, I I am on social media uh, one platform, pretty much. And if you want to get hold of me, find me on Instagram. No, mess Mullins.
0: What about your PT page?
1: Oh, um, I think it's Melissa Mullins PT. <laughs> it was like, that's that
0: pretty one. simple. <laughs> night, oh. right, that name, you're thinking, oh, what can I call it? What can I call it? All right, that will all be well, in the well, description. Actually, I... Today's episode was brought to you by Mauler MMA. Use code FC. MMA20 at checkout for 20% off on all products on maulermma.com